0: Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Welcome to another one. This episode is supported by my course, How to Get Started Being Freelance. So if you know someone who is thinking of going freelance or has just started on this journey, then please send them in the direction of beingfreelance.com. Click on course and come and learn. Not just my own experience, but over 200 guests of the Being Freelance podcast behind you, supporting you, helping you avoid the mistakes that the rest of us made. It's the course I wish I had, but you do get to have you can find the details at freelance.com. right now let's find out what it's like being freelance for web designer Carmen Kendrick
1: but I mean it still just took some more I guess mindset shifts for me to get into a place where I could you know freelance full-time because I think when we start freelancing we start off like very very cheap and like you know $300 websites, you have to build a lot of those in order to pay your bills. And so you have to figure out, it's like, okay, what do I need to charge more and that, you know, my customer actually finds it is valuable to pay more for this. Having a nice email funnel set up for them. And I know that funnel just sounds like such a complicated word, but really it's just talking to people and just leading up to like, hey, let's go to the next steps people will waste your time (laughs) so i was like i need to find a way to cut that out and so usually the people that will invest in a discovery call they are seriously they are ready to take the next step sooner than later
0: yeah, so there is Carmen, her story coming up in a moment. All of our guests for all of the, I mean, this is season 13, so we've got a lot that you can check out. All of our guests are listed at beingfreelance.com. And if you go there, you'll find links through to what they get up to. You'll find a transcript, highlights, uh, photos, All anyway, for every guest at beingfreelance.com. Uh, also, there's a link through to the course if you're interested in that. There's articles, loads of blog posts written by myself or by other freelancers, topics which are important uh, you can come join the community there's a link through to that so that you can hang out with freelancers from around the world it's a funny place i love it in there but it's also very supportive sometimes there's some tough questions that we need to go through but we don't have to go through them alone we can post them there and get people's feedback and consideration it's uh, it's such a great place to be if you've not been there yet go to the website and follow the link it's the community at beingfreelance.com and i'll see you in there yeah. Also, if you like this podcast and you've not done it yet, can I ask you a favour? Can you hit subscribe and can you leave a review? I hear other podcasters do that and I always think, oh, yeah, that's what po- podcasters do. And even though I've been doing this for six years, I always forget. So if you've not left a review before, open Apple Podcasts and leave one there. I think it's the only app you can do it on. If you find somewhere else to shout about it, please do. Hey, go leave a Google My Business review on being freelance if, <laughs> if that's what you have to do. Anyway, Anyway, listen, let's crack on. Chat to this week's guest. Let's head to Atlanta, Georgia, and talk to web designer Carmen Kendrick. Hey, Carmen. How are you? Oh, I am well. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance?
1: Yeah, so my story actually takes a lot of um, unexpected turns (laughs) and (laughs) U-turns. So I originally started out as, I guess, an entrepreneur online or online business owner back in 2012. I started this online hair extensions company and I hired this web design company to design this uh, beautiful website on Wix. Like it looked really nice. The problem was that it did not have a good backhand system for like order management. So I couldn't send out emails saying like, Hey, you know, your order is shipped with your tracking number and all that good stuff. And so I'm just like, that's not enough. That's too much manual work because, of course, I'm expecting to get like a lot of orders in. So I decided to move over to Shopify. Um, Shopify was not as um, intuitive as Wix. Um, you did need to know a little bit of code or buy one of the templates or hire one of the Shopify developers, to, you know, do something custom for you. And so I kind of just settled with Shopify for a while. I didn't have enough money to invest in another designer. So I kind of just, you know, did what I could with it. It's very ugly. I will say that. Um, and then I ended up finding WordPress, um, which I, what I currently use. And it was the first time that I was able to DIY a site and it looked presentable. And, you know, my customers actually trust, OK, I'm buying from a legitimate source. Um, and then from there, I just kind of got the idea like, hey, you know what? I'm getting kind of good at this thing. Like maybe I can design websites for other people. And that's kind of just how it all kind of kicked off.
0: Ah, So the entrepreneur in you has this business that you've created your own website to get it the way you want. What happened then though? Was it like you you then thought no more about the web developing side of it and just carried on with the business or did something happen?
1: Yeah, so I just thought that um well my thing was when I was doing the hair company, I was like I wanted to help other entrepreneurs that wanted to get started with hair companies, but they also needed websites, and so I kind of wanted to be like the whole solution, like offer the product. Offer the website and that's kind of how it got started with me, you know, designing the website. I was going to like pretty much just make a copy of my own site and just pretty much customize it for them. And then some kind of way I was like, well, maybe I can just actually just design websites for other people. I met this guy um, at this bar one night, or I think it was like in the afternoon or something on a Sunday, and we were just talking, and he was saying that he needed a website, and so I showed him my site, and he was like, you know, what? can you make my site? And I was like, yeah, sure, so $300 later, and uh, the website, um, you know, I spit it up for him.
0: and so did you have like any design experience what 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 had you done before this or or were you teaching yourself as you went
1: yeah I was just teaching myself I had no (laughs) and it's funny that you say that because I had no design experience like whatsoever so I was just winging it and so how
0: quickly did that pick up like um the designing websites for other people
1: Yeah. So um, the first year, that was like 2016. I probably maybe had like two or three clients. But then I started to realize that it wasn't just web design. It's also like project management. And at that time, I probably didn't know what project management was, but now I understand it. It was just something about the process. And then um, I had this one customer where I designed the website and then like a few months later, you know they wanted more things done to it I had like no contract or anything else I'm just like okay there has to be a better way and so I felt like the next year I spent a lot of time just kind of trying to figure out okay how do I create a process how do I become a better designer um, and just learning different things like that so 2017 I, I literally had no clients whatsoever because I was like, I got to get this right I want to do it. I want to do, do it right this time.
0: Wow so, so you decided in 2017 to step back and teach yourself more. But how, you know, so was your hair business... Paying its way, if you see what I mean.
1: No, no, I, I had a lot of ups and downs with it. So, in the middle of all of this, I ended up moving because um, I'm not from Atlanta, I'm, I'm from a smaller town, like maybe three hours away from here. And so, I moved and relocating. I was like very young, like 21. You know, I, I came here with no job, and so I'm trying to figure it out. And of course, I have like a product based business, so it's like it's very resource and money <laughs> um draining at that point. So, like the hair business up and down, I was still working. Uh, My full-time job, nine to five. And so that same year, 2016, I I got like a ticket to go to Hong Kong to go to this, um, this beauty expo where I could source more products. And I bought that ticket like back in July of that year. And by the time I got to Hong Kong in November, I was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like I'm just going (laughs) to take it as like a like a vacation trip because I was all about web design at that point. So (laughs) I was like, you know, what? it's fine. I've been doing this like for like the last four or five years. I'm ready to put it down anyway and just, you know, go on to the next thing.
0: How did you then reboot the web development? How did it feel different after that year of learning?
1: Well, I started to notice what other people are doing, especially because I'm more in like the service-based business, personal brand space. And so a lot of those web designers like myself, they had, you know, very um, beautiful, their own photography that they use. They had like very modern, um, very personalized websites. And so I kind of just started to like go by that flow. And of course, I got on Pinterest. I don't know what um, drew me to Pinterest, but I'm glad I did because I started seeing a lot of different things. I started blogging more. And more people begin to find me that way on Pinterest. So that's when it kind of just all starts turning around.
0: So you were blogging via Pinterest.
1: Well, on WordPress, I noticed what people were doing on Pinterest, that they were sharing their blog posts on Pinterest, like just using different pants. And so they were talking about different things they do in their business, like their process or like their design um, or just, you know, different how to's of like, you know, how do I write a blog post in WordPress? How do I set up a WordPress site? Because I think every blogger gets to the point where they start to teach blogging to other people. And so I was kind of taking that same route as a web designer.
0: And much as these days, I might see on Instagram, lots of people posting stuff, teaching and linking to their blogs. That's what it was like for you for Pinterest.
1: Right, right. And the good thing about Pinterest, unlike Instagram, is that, you know, it goes directly back to your website. You know, there's right. no, you know, you have to go only one link in bio or you have to have the swipe up feature on Instagram. Like, it was perfect.
0: <laughs> so did people come to your blog, you were helping them, but then did they hire you?
1: No. So (laughs) 2017 and like another year, 2018, um, just really just putting myself out there, but like still getting no clients. But the good thing at the time is like I still had like a day job. And so it was still kind of, you know, I was able to pay my bills, but I was still not getting any clients. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? But it's just like, I guess I just wasn't appealing to the type of audience that I wanted to work with. And so I took some time to kind of make my own demo sites, um, I was planning to use them as actual templates, but didn't work out that way. Um, I made like maybe like six demo sites and they were very gorgeous, very nicely designed. And so it kind of just showed people like what I was capable of. And then once those started circulating, especially on Pinterest, I just got (laughs) to keep bringing up Pinterest because it helped me out so much in the beginning. Um, That's when I really started seeing people come to my website, inquiring to work with me. But I mean, it still just took some more, I guess, mindset shifts for me to get into a place where I could, you know, freelance full time. Because I think when we start freelancing, we start off like very, very cheap. And like, you know, $300 websites, you have to build a lot of those in order to pay your bills. And so you have to figure out, it's like, okay, what do I need to charge more? And that, you know, my customer actually finds that it's valuable to pay more for this.
0: There's so much I want to ask. Like, to <laughs> start, did you feel like giving up in that time when you were, you know, you felt like you were doing the right thing with the blogging, but nothing was working out for you, client-wise?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt like giving up, but it was just like I had no alternative. Um, I just remember one night... Um, I was um, because my day job was an insurance at the time. Um, I worked for like an insurance agency and I was just like so frustrated one night because I'm like, I really want this to work. But I kind of like at that point, I really did hate my job. And so I just went to bed and I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, if you quit this, what else are you going to do? Like, because I I mean, really, I was in a dead end career. It's like nowhere else I can go. So I was like, I have to make this work. And so that's what kind of kept me going, even though sometimes I wanted to give up on it.
0: And it was when you started creating um, portfolio pieces, I guess, and sharing those on Pinterest that that's what had the effect. It wasn't the helpful content; it was the showing what you could do, and people seeing that.
1: Yes, and I also would like to say, um, I think a big piece because even though I, I talked about brand photography earlier, because of the type of clients I was wanting to work with, brand photography was a big piece too. I still not had not taken like my own branded like photo shoot pictures. And it's crazy to say this, but I felt like when I did that, I'd invested to like take those brand pictures. So that way I wasn't just posting a lot of stock images. It was me you see me in my element. I felt like I started attracting more clients that way as well. I think one of my first like real clients was my photographer at that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you took the investment to get proper professional fo- photographs of you like in in your work setting and stuff like that. And that, that made a real difference, putting your face to
1: it. Yes. And it just seems like, I know, I, I think about it now and I tell people that it just seems so crazy, just like it's just pictures. But it's just, I feel that when people look at your work, um, and look at what you do, especially the prices that you charge. You know, they want to see that you're actually invested in your brand as well. And, you know, if you're just kind of just using the same stock images that everyone else has used, same templates, like you're not really standing out. You're not showing like, hey, I'm 100 percent invested in this. And like now, like you can tell, like she really spends money on her brand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there's also a point in there where you said, you know, like if you've got to make a lot of $300 websites to, to pay your way each month. So how did you get around that dilemma? How how did you get to to the price point that you wanted to get to?
1: Yeah, so um, I was I was very into mean, like self help education, YouTube, all that good stuff. And so I found out about the future. I don't know if you heard of them on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think every creative at this point, if you don't know about the future, you are under a rock. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but I found their channel and it was just it was perfect for me. I think that was like in twenty eighteen as well. And it was just life changing just just hearing them talk about like how to price your work as a freelancer, um, how to get clients. And I feel like that's when this shift really just happened to me because you can say you're going to charge more for a website, but if you don't believe it or whatever it is that you do, you can say you can charge more. But if you don't believe it, um, the people that you want to attract, they're not going to believe in it either. So it was really a mindset shift. Um, just, you know, listening to the channel and just trying to implement a lot of the things that they were telling us to do.
0: What would you say that it was that had that big shift that, that got you into that mindset then? What, what did you implement?
1: Well, I would say just hearing about, of course, I wasn't ready to start doing value-based pricing, but just hearing about value-based pricing and just seeing that it was available, because um, I never thought about it that way. Like if a client is going to make, just an example, if they're going to make a million dollars off of some work that you help them create, then you deserve to make a nice portion of that as well. But even if you're not at that point to do value-based pricing, um, you still understand that what I'm doing actually produces revenue and it produces value for them. And so why not? Why would I not get paid to help them do that? Nice. And so that was the biggest tip for me. So you
0: started posting your new made-up portfolio pieces and you started sharing your face on your site and on Pinterest as well. And so gradually people started coming to you and and work picked up, right?
1: Right, yes, it did. Um, It wasn't until last I'm um, sorry, I'm still thinking that twenty twenty is still going on. <laughs> this is twenty twenty <laughs> It feels 10. like it is. <laughs> right. So in twenty nineteen is it when I was able to leave the full time job and go full time freelance. So that's when it really just started to pick up for me at that point.
0: Awesome. How did you know you were ready?
1: Um, you know what, I really wasn't. I didn't have six months of savings and I don't like encourage anybody to do what I did or anything like that because I don't have like any I guess other people responsibilities, but you know, I still have my rents my car payment, other things like that. So and my my thing was that I've always kind of been very independent. Um my parents, they weren't always able to help me um as far as like financially. So it was everything was always, you know, back on me at the end of the day. And so it was a very scary move. Um the only thing that i that made me felt comfortable was that um, I was able to, so my job in insurance, I was able to kind of be a contractor in a sense to other agencies that may needed help part-time. So I was kind of like a temp service all by myself. And so I was like, okay, if time's to get tough, I can do this. And then I had a few clients. I had a little bit, maybe, maybe like one or two months that I could use as far as like income. And I kind of just worked with that. <laughs>
0: And did, like, taking that leap, albeit with a slight safety net beneath you, like, did that help you then drive it forward, having that extra time, I guess?
1: Yes, it did. It helped out a lot, me having that more time. But at the same time, I was still doing some of the contract work and insurance. And so it was kind of starting to feel like um, my job, but I did have the flexibility. and So, like, no, I don't want to take this work um, and I can work when I want to. but that safety net there helped me out a lot. And I feel like some people, they feel like if they're not doing their um, their thing 100% full time, like it doesn't feel real. And it's just like, you know what? I had to get over that myself because I'm like, I have multiple streams of income. I'm not just depending on my design business to pay my bills. I have this, I have a few other things, digital products, like everything is diversified. So I also want to tell anybody that's listening, don't feel about having um, side hustles outside of your business as well, because I mean, you need that.
0: So you've got side hustles outside of your web design business?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: What have you got going on?
1: So I still work in the insurance world. Um, so a guy I used to work with, we were co-workers at one point, he ended up getting his own insurance agency. And so like a couple of hours um, a week, I'll log in to help him out with a few things. And so that works out it's not really time consuming it's only a few hours a week here and there um, mm-hmm. and so that kind of helps me out and it's just thing that I know that if, if all else fails um, I have a type of like background where I can always get a job if I needed to. Do you still have the hair extensions on the go? No no I don't have the hair extensions anymore um, and I would say my other side hustle is my digital products which is more so in line with my business but that's like my other income and I would like to get that um, where it's you know, mainly, I guess, more passive income coming in, but it takes time to get to that point. So the insurance and digital products, um, those are my two saving graces when I'm not getting ah, a lot of yep. design clients.
0: So when did you introduce the digital products and um, and how did you go about that? What are they?
1: Yeah, so um, I've tried so hard with digital products. Um, just thinking, well, when I first started, it was like, maybe this isn't good enough or you don't see anybody, you know, buying anything. So at first, I think it was like maybe a couple of... Um, different like layout pages, like maybe an about page and a home page layout. Um, so now I only have like six that are actually in my shop, but <laughs> inside of my archive, I have like so many more I could put out there. It just takes time to put everything together. Um, but right now I have like a services and pricing guide, which has been like very helpful. Um, and it's also been like one of my best sellers. Also have like a web design, like a planner. So, like, if you're planning to, like, you know, do a new website, all the things you need to be thinking about before you actually build a website. That one has been very profitable. I have, like, a link in bio layout because we all know Linktree is very popular, but you can make the same exact thing on your own website and not have to pay the extra money for it. So, I have a um, a template for that. And a few others I can't think of that come to mind. But, yeah, so I kicked that off. I would say... um, Maybe like the in 2019 at some point, it's when I started getting serious, like, hey, I need to get some digital products out here. Cool.
0: And, and so some of those are like WordPress templates.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Although one of them, I, you just mentioned, I think the services one, that's a Canva template, isn't it? Because I've seen that.
1: Yes, yes. And that's like been one of the best ideas I had because I was making a services and pricing guide for myself. And I was like, hey. I'm sure other people need the same kind of thing. And so I was mm. like, I made it for myself and then I made it available for other people to buy. So
0: nice. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's, um, th- there's a lot in there. Uh, we'll have links, of course, at beingfreelance.com if you want to check these out. But you said that you had that guide yourself. When did you in- introduce using, uh, so, so to describe it, it's like, um, well, no, I'll let you describe it. How would you describe your, your services guide? When, when did you introduce that?
1: Yeah. It's like if your website is very detailed and you talk about your process, if you talk, if you show your pricing, and you show your portfolio, it's pretty much all of that inside of a PDF. And one thing I like about it is that it can kind of be a lead magnet in a sense. Like maybe you don't show your prices on your website or maybe you want to give people just something they can take away and maybe just you know think about a little bit more in the future without actually being on your site i like it in that aspect and it just kind of just makes you stand out because it's just like wow they actually put the extra time and effort to make this whole nicely designed um guide that i can look over so
0: and did you notice that then had, had an impact for you that that is not not when people buy it for you
1: Um, I can't say that I've like, no one's has like personally said to me like, oh my God, this is so great. Um, (laughs) but I can, I can just see the difference, especially when people reach out to you over social media. It's cool. I think I had someone else tell me this, like, it's cool to send them a link to your website, but it kind of feels impersonal. Um, but when you have that, that, that guide it's like, oh my Google drive. I use like a little short link so I can remember like, hey, this is a link you go to to actually get to the guide itself. Um, it just kind of makes it a little bit um, makes it a little bit more personalized, when, you, especially when you talk to people over a DM.
0: Nice. How else have you changed the way that you, I guess, use your website and portray yourself over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, so I'm very, very big on lead generation. That is like the biggest thing for any business. And so I've been spending a lot more time or I would say I've always in the like in the last couple of years, always spent time thinking about what kind of things I can create that would um generate the leads that I want. I think when I first started with lead magnets, I was thinking pretty much anything. So I think one of my first lead magnets was like a calendar and it did really great to be honest, but if you think about it, web design and a digital calendar that you could like maybe save as a wallpaper or a screensaver, like that's not really in line. So yeah, you will get a lot of people signing up for your email list, but they aren't actually good leads. Um so really mm. thinking about what kind of lead magnet you can create, put on your site, promote it, um that's the biggest thing so you, that way you can get good leads coming through the door.
0: How do you know when you've got a good lead? What what do you do once somebody's, you know, downloaded that thing and you've got their email address?
1: Yeah. So the next thing is having a nice email funnel set up for them. And I know that funnel just sounds like such a complicated word, but really it's just talking to people and just leading up to like, hey, let's go to the next step. So my lead magnet now is a website ROI calculator. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but I know the next step for them is, well, my next step is I want them to get on a discovery call. Um, I do not do free discovery calls. I actually charge for them. And so a lot of people are used to having like the free consults. And so sometimes I have to really just talk that up. So I use my email sequence, which is my funnel to like, you know, just talk about different things like, you know, some frequently asked questions, um, some pain points may have people may have had before actually making that leap. And it's not really expensive. It's like one sixty um, U.S. dollars. Here. I don't know what that translates to in the U.K., but it's not really expensive. Um, and then I'll allow them to apply it to their project. I just want to make sure that people are serious when we get on the phone, because that's one of the things I found out that people will waste your time. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I need to find a way to cut that out. And so usually the people that will invest in a discovery call, they are serious leads. They are ready to take the next step sooner than later.
0: I like that. So they've got value out of the ROI calculator or whichever lead magnet they might have signed up via. And then you serve them a sequence of emails where you're helping them further and helping filter what they might need. And then you try and sell the, the call, by which point you're like, look, clearly I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Are you serious and, or not?
1: Right. You have nothing to fear at this point. So it's like taking all the fear and objections away from them because, I mean, mm. no one wants to part with their money, <laughs> you know, especially because I'm not a – I mean, people know me online, but I'm not like a huge brand like a Target or anything like that. So it's just like I understand that people have a little bit of trepidation before they make the investment, even though it's a small investment at first. But I just want to make everything and just put it out there so they can see like, okay, she's legit, I'm less likely to get scammed if I talk to her. So
0: <laughs> so yeah, tell me about the so the ROI calculator. Did you create that yourself? Or is that a plugin you've bought? Like what, what what's that?
1: Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. Um, so I had to still create the calculator itself. But I did found this software. Um, it's called Convert Calculator dot com is where I actually built the calculator at. But I noticed a lot of the bigger agencies I would go on their sites. I'm always researching and I noticed that they all had some kind of ROI calculator or especially the ad agencies that sell digital marketing services and they want to show their clients like, you know, if you invest in this, like this is the kind of results that you can possibly see in the future. And so I'm like, that's so valuable because people, they just don't get like why websites are so expensive, especially like small, business owners or like solopreneurs, they don't understand like why it costs so much to build a website or they don't really see the value in it. And so by them actually plugging in their numbers and seeing like, Hey, you know what, this makes sense for me because of course it goes by like your annual revenue. Um, so for example, I had someone, I think their annual revenue was going to be like $4,800 and their website budget was $810. That makes a hundred percent sense because in like, you know, 5,000 roughly is not a lot of money and you don't want to spend 5,000 to make a website if you're only going to make 5,000.
0: So is most of it, I mean, you talked about diversifying your revenue, but alongside the digital products, are you mainly designing websites like is that your main service or or do you have other services
1: it's my main service but I'm trying to not make it my main service and find other things like of course digital products I don't really know about courses and coaching right now because I don't feel comfortable with it Um, I really like Chris Doe's approach to it and it's I don't know if this is by design or if he just said hey I'm not going to do this until I get to this point but I love the fact that he ran a creative agency for a very long time and now he's teaching his design because, and no um, and no shame to anyone that does this, but I think a lot, right now we have a lot of people that have maybe like a, a good year or two in business and now they're ready to start coaching, which is fine. You have some strategies, but I really enjoyed that aspect. Like, dang, you've run a, an agency for 10 years. Like you've really seen it all. So that's the point that I want to come from if I start coaching at some point in the future.
0: Yeah. 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 So that's Chris though from the, from the future, because I, I got the sense from your website about, The fact that as well as designing, you are supporting like like you've noticed that sometimes people have a WordPress site and maybe you haven't designed it, but they still struggle with it.
1: Yes. I don't know how I forgot that out of the mix of support service. Um, So that's pretty recent as well. Um, Just being on WordPress for so long. A lot of the issues that people have. are just things that I've run into in the last five years. And they are like always repeating, always happening. And I noticed that a lot of people, they don't, if a, the designer offers them a um, support plan, a lot of people, they see it as an additional cost and they won't take it. But then they still have problems down the line. And then that's where I swoop in. And a good thing with that it, is it's also a good lead generation too, because if you fix your website, then you're likely to redesign or rebuild it at some point in the future. If you did a good job <laughs> on the support side.
0: <laughs> that is so true, which brings us you know circling around to when you originally started creating helpful content for for people so you're still helping people now like how do you find the balance between free support and getting paid
1: yeah so that's a whole thing um and that's just something i learned recently from another um friend online and she says that you know you don't want to give out so much free and helpful content that people feel like they can do it all by themselves and so your content really should focus on the myths misconceptions and mistakes um of like whatever it is that you do and you should speak more on that and maybe every now and then you can have something that's like you know a tutorial that goes from like step a to step z um but you really want to focus on things that um that people can just kind of more thought leadership type of information versus more tutorial on how-to um, information
0: mm. so you mentioned that friend do you have like a number of people doing similar th- things to you
1: Yes, um, Twitter is um, is like my home online outside of my website. Um, I have a lot of like-minded people that follow me on Twitter and um, it's like really my largest platform. Like I think I have like 8,000 followers and I just got back on Twitter in 2019. I had a Twitter like when it first came out, like maybe around 2010, 2011. But of course I was just like, you know, junk posting whatever's going on in my life. But now I really use just Twitter to, you know, just talk about, about my experiences and then people I guess they're going through the same thing like they're like you're so relatable so it kind of just works out
0: those connections that you've made help you like not necessarily get clients but just to get by as a freelancer
1: oh yeah and clients I would say that Twitter is better than Instagram I even have a friend she got on excuse me she got on Twitter recently and like she got offered this amazing job just from Twitter. And she had been on Instagram, like, forever. I'm not saying that you can't get good opportunities on Instagram, but Twitter, um, I feel like sometimes just things happening are a little bit faster. The ROI just returns a little bit quicker on, on Twitter a lot of times. So what kind of thing are you doing on Twitter? <laughs> so I'm just sharing. I mean, I'm just being myself, honestly. If I find something that's pretty good, I share it. I put it out there. If I'm reading an article and I have my thoughts on it, like, I just... Anything business related, um, especially books, I read a lot of, or I should say, I listen to a lot of audio books, and I put things out there, and people they just kind of gravitate toward them. So it's like, okay, Carmen, she knows what she's talking about. She um, she does like a lot of studying, and so people they're just drawn to that. And of course, because I've um, coined myself as like the WordPress expert, every time somebody has like a WordPress question, like my DMs are like just full of people, like. WordPress, 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 like, can you help me with this? And so that's helped me out a lot as well Just like niching down. It's like, hey, I am the WordPress person. And
0: how have you found, uh, obviously, there's like a whole pandemic side to this. But other than that, where, where do you work from? Are you based at home? or?
1: Yes, I am at home and I am um, doing everything I can not to go crazy. But
0: <laughs> But you've always worked from home, pandemic to one side.
1: Yeah, but at least, um, you know, before the, or pre-pandemic, you could go to Starbucks and work. And so now it just, you know. Because I feel like you need that balance um, of getting out of the house and like maybe working in another in another environment, another atmosphere. And so that's a tough Mm. piece to it, Um, even though I've been doing like a really because I think everybody's kind of gotten into this home improvement type of stage since we've been quarantining. (laughs) Um, And so (laughs) I've been redoing my office and everything looks so nice. and I'm just like, you know what? I still want to get out. So but yes, I am (laughs) primarily at home.
0: And and how do you find um, balancing work and life, particularly when you're based at home?
1: Um, so I don't really have a lot of distractions. I just have a dog, um, really. So that's not really a thing. Um, but I feel like you just have to kind of have some type of schedule or some type of task management system that you use. And so I kind of use a combination of Asana for like my daily tasks, and then also using my Google Calendar. And like really blocking my day off. Like I have like a lunch period where I block my day off, or if it's like relationship building, or I only talk to clients on Tuesdays and Thursdays between 12.30 and 4.30, like just really being um, very intentional about how you spend your time and how you're going to plan your time in the future.
0: Now, Carmen, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me?
1: Ah, uh, so what I was going to use for this, you guys may have called it already, but I'm still going to use it. So, um, I designed my very first website in high school. Um, let's see. I started my first business when I was 24. I did $100,000 in revenue last year.
0: Oh gosh so hang on so you made a hundred thousand dollars last year in your business yes Mm -hmm. okay now i'm always curious though when i see that figure banded about online like do you have masses of people that you pay basically have you got loads of overheads which means that it sounds impressive but there's a there's not so much profit involved in there
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um uh, it's funny because I use Wave and they make it very clear. So I think like my um overhead was sixty thousand, like my profit was forty. Um, but even though sixty thousand sounds expensive, I'm on um payroll and so a lot of that was really just my um uh, my salary that was coming out. Um uh, and last yeah. year I really work primarily by myself. Um, and so I didn't really have a lot of um, contractors or anything like, and of course, like software subscriptions, like I'm at $500 in like software subscriptions a month and I need to start doing annual plans. Um, but yeah, so that was really the, the bulk of, and I'm glad you asked that question because so many people, they don't talk about like, you know, what are the actual expenses, and, like, what did you really make? So, I mean, the profit was like 40,000. I don't really know where the 40,000 is at, but <laughs> it's somewhere in there. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number two was 20. What was it? I've written down. 20. Oh, you started your first business when you were 24. So, what was your first business?
1: Uh, so, my first business was the hair extensions company. Uh, it was <sighs> called Effortless Glam.
0: <laughs> Effortless Glam. Okay. I mean, unless, of course, that wasn't your first business. <laughs> Or you weren't 24, which would be really rubbish ways to win this game. Uh, I <laughs> think that must be true. So what was the first website that you designed then at high school?
1: I had this class. where We kind of had just like a project that we had to just put together a website um, on anything that we wanted to. I can't even remember what it actually was at the time, but that was the first site I designed. It was like just a school project.
0: Okay. Well, we have to presume number two about the hair extensions and the first business is real, unless, Mm -hmm. of course, you deep-seated a lie very early on in our conversation and have been lying the whole time, (laughs) Um, (laughs) like some deep, deep deep-level spy. Okay. So now I have to choose did you do I mean the school website I mean that sounds plausible I mean back when I was at school we barely had word I feel like such an old man definitely not websites but I imagine at school these days getting you to design a website would make sense so did you earn 100k but I believed you when you said that I totally (laughs) believed you I'm going to feel mean if I say the 100k wasn't real but I'm going to go it's okay why, why, why would the website not be real okay I'm going to say the 100k even though I believed it that's the lie
1: that is not the lie oh. it's a school website um yeah I don't even really remember like having to use a computer in high school Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I mean congratulations on that 100k year there I'm glad for you that that one was true now if you had to tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be
1: oh so many things um I would just tell myself that it's okay. It takes time. Don't use the Internet as like your um, I don't want maybe your compass. I think maybe it's another word I want to use, but don't try to use that as what you think that you should be doing. Just go on your own pace because everything just works out in the end. So that's what I would tell my younger self.
0: One thing I meant to ask was so if we look at your business now, like where are most of your clients coming from?
1: So most of my clients are coming from social media. Um, I'm working to change that. I would like for most of my clients to come through search engines because um, I just feel like that's just long term, um, more of a long term uh, game because social media requires for you to be social and for you to be on there. And it's just like, I'm not that kind of person that I always want to be on social media. And like right now, it's like a chore. And so I'm um, really trying to change and just search engines, getting my SEO game up, I'm learning more things about SEO.
0: Ah, what would you be looking for, like, as in when you're planting the seeds of SEO?
1: Yeah, so I'm looking for the people that are just asking questions about certain things, like, do they make sense? Like, for example, um, I published this on Medium uh, recently, and it was like, how much should I, um, how much should I invest in a website? And so that's a very common question of how much should a website cost or however you want to like spin that around. So um, that's actually a post because I, I post to my blog and I post to Medium as well. And so i seen like a lot of traffic come through Medium and of course on my blog when I wrote that type of article. So just things that are people are actually asking about on the internet because a lot of times, or I should say Google, because um, people that are searching on Google, they have more buying intent a lot of times in social media because if you think about social media, we go on there to be entertained and maybe just so happy you, you see something that you may want to buy or maybe a service. But like Google, like your intent is to solve a problem and possibly even buy something that helps you solve that problem.
0: There was a point in the story where we were talking about the number of $300 websites that you need to <laughs> turn over in a month. And now, you know, you're, you're like uh, make, making 100K in a year, for example. What, what would be the biggest thing that like, you've put in place to like raise, well, to get to where you want to be financially in, in that respect?
1: um so many things I just feel like of course adopting a mindset where I did deserve or I was worthy of the money that I was asking for that was one of the biggest things um actually positioning myself where you know you would want to invest that kind of money in me when I talked about my brand photography earlier um, mm-hmm. my blogging and just answering those different questions like that so definitely my uh, my positioning and how I appeared to other people. Um, And then lastly, I would just say just education. Um, I've always go education. I read a lot of books. Um, I haven't invested in a lot of coaching programs, and I feel like people should also be very, um, sorry, they should be wary of different coaching programs. You should try to find programs that are very niche down to what you do and not just kind of serve anybody that wants to be a, maybe a freelancer online. So if you're a designer, look for a program that, you know, helps you with design or talks about not just design, but also the business of design. So. Um, Education is my last piece, but just want to throw that out here as well.
0: So mainly it's a it's a number of things which have both built your confidence, but give confidence to the people buying from you, Mm -hmm. uh, get you better at your craft in general anyway, but also attract a different clientele, I guess. Right. Carmen, it's been so good chatting to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. As with all of our guests, there are links through so you can check out what Carmen is up to and say hi to her online. Also, because you mentioned the future, uh, we had Melinda Livesey, who uh, is often featured on the future yeah so she she talks a lot about um how she got working with them and um and the way that she's developed her business as well in our chat with her i'll put a link so you can go and listen to her episode as well remember you're not alone being freelancer come and join us in the community freelancers from around the world waiting to hang out uh you can find the link that you need to join that at beingfreelance.com but yeah for now Common, thank you so much and all the best being freelance
1: thank you so much for having me